Hello, welcome to the Inner Gamer episode 130. Big 130, pretty exciting. I'm actually two more episodes and this will be my my 100th episode. Oh my gosh, that's insane. I'm glad you're keeping track because I have not been, so that's that's amazing. We are your weekly dose of video game news, reviews, opinions, and discussions made for and by our listeners. My name is Brayanoski. My name is Devin Dury, and today on The Inner Gamer, we have a special guest with us, Meg Steffens, a fellow friend and nerd aficionado. Meg, thank Welcome you Welcome back. On. Hi, guys. I'm glad to be back. I'm so excited. Cool. Uh, well, today on The Inner Gamer, we're going to talk about some games we've all played. I played Hard West. Meg and Brett got to dive into Life is Strange, and Brett also got to invade a lot of people's privacy a with a lot of people's privacy a lot of people's privacy like, with orwell like yours oh god stop <laughs> don't do that we're following uh, you now oh this got awkward uh we only have one game releasing next week which we will talk about briefly and then we have a couple of news stories super mario odyssey is dealing away with the game over screen another character announced for overwatch and then xbox one is finally finally getting into the game gifting feature then stay tuned. Our discussion topic is not actually a discussion, but rather an interview with Justin from Gatai Games. And he's going to talk about an amazing VR experience that deals with some crazy mechanics that kind of warp my mind. So literally, literally warp your mind. Anyways, stay tuned. Stick around. It's going to be a great cast. Brett, cue the music. Go do it. Cue it now. Cue. Go. Go. Don't say anything. Just hit. Just stop. 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 Hit. Stop and go. Yeah. Woo. Welcome to the everybody it is july 11th 2017 welcome to the inner gamer podcast if you like what you hear please support this show on patreon head over to the innergamer.net and click the donate button to contribute now let's talk about some video games devin you got some good stuff to share as yeah as mentioned last week on uh our last week episode i said i was gonna play hard west and i have played and hard west did. i did play hard west nice um hard west was a steam sale game I think I bought it for like, I want to say like five bucks probably. Okay. So obviously Steam sells over, so I don't know what the price is now. But point being, uh, Hard West is a top-down isometric uh, tactics game, turn-based. And the setting is Old West mixed with some supernatural Cthulhu-y style elements added in. Some real mind game fuckery going on with this one. It's uh, $20 on Steam now. Damn it. <laughs> Sorry. You got a deal. I did. I got a steal of a deal. Um, it is the developers Creative Forge Games, and I got to say, I'm having a great time with it. Like, I've had so, so much fun so far. <clears throat> the um, the intro to the game for, like, their, their first um, scenario was really... I don't want to say like a hand-holding style uh, tutorial, but it was fairly easy. So it was a bit deceiving. Um, a bit deceiving when you first play it because you're like, oh, well, okay, that's not too bad. All right, you're just shooting some bad guys with your six-shooter and you're fanning the hammer and taking them out. Yeah. And you can explore the map. But then I, I actually got into the actual scenarios and my main character who I'm playing is just in real bad shape. Really? Uh, so the high points of this that 
really kind of illustrate the world. It's an, it's a very interesting world. It's a healthy mix of old West and strange supernatural show. So when I say like my character's kind of messed up right now, yeah, he's physically me- messed up because in the turns, like when the enemies go and they shot me, they shot me through the hand. So my aim is worse now because I have a mangled hand. Oh, wow. That's kind of cool. Um, also he's been exploring some very scary, spoopy stuff like an abandoned mine. So he's a bit crazy right now. But, but because of that, um, because he has a mangled hand uh, and the scar tissue has grown over that mangled hand, he actually has a damage resistance because of the scar tissue. And he has a tougher hand, so he's tougher now. Weird. This, this game adds some very strange elements into the, your standard so, style like combat of turn-based tactics. So wait, is this based on the character that you chose or is this stuff, does this kind of stuff happen organically as you play as well? No, this stuff just kind of happened. Like if you just get shot, there's a chance that you could get injured. Okay, okay. So it, it can like you could get injured at some point in the game and then have that affect your player's abilities yeah. as you play. Yeah, you you get uh Whoa. so far I've seen you could have up to a party of 4 and um it's me and my main character who's a a scientist doctor guy and he's basically running around with these Pinkerton agents. Uh <laughs> I feel bad because they're named A persons, B persons, C persons. So they're obviously red shirts. <laughs> Traditional Western names. Tradi- if you look back in the 1800s, you'll yes. see. You'll see. They ran out of names, in fact. And <laughs> for a long started. time there, there was no one named anything. <laughs> it was just <laughs> red shirt. There's only so many letters in the alphabet. That's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's still, it's a lot of fun. Like that, that element of combat is really interesting. Well, I'm really excited to hear about it um, because... It's a really cool genre of books that have just emerging that's called Weird Westerns. And there's not a lot of content out there. Yeah. So it's very exciting to see not only are they bringing new playing style to all of that jazz, but they're adding to a genre that needs to be added to. It's yeah. very new. It's very original yeah. and very exciting. I'm the, I'm it, I was trying to think of that term before you said it, the weird, weird Western. Western. And I love that. Nothing excites me more because everybody loves Westerns. Everybody loves the, the you know, the standard. Uh, I'm sorry, what was that? I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody loves that. But now to add these new things, like people are adding supernatural, whether it be like a fantasy element or a, a gothic horror element to it, it's definitely redefining a genre and to see this game out now like it's so cool my character drives like a steampunk carriage that's oh that's awesome it's so cool it's i mean it's such an interesting dynamic for the game to be it's the sprinkles on a donut we all know and love yeah right yeah it's really really, a lot yeah um some really cool strengths about it like i said like i mentioned earlier was the interesting combat so you know it's very quick it's very tactical it's it it, it is turn-based but the rounds move very quick. You don't feel like you're having to sit there and think for 20 minutes about, Oh, what do I want to do next? How do I want to maneuver this character? No, it is. I'm going to dive behind cover and I'm going to just shoot wildly over there and then spend the next turn reloading because I just fanned that hammer. Now, is it set up like uh, XCOM where it's like a grid based yeah. thing? Okay. It's not necessarily grid, but your character can move certain distances and right. it's all highlighted. So you okay. can see gotcha. you, your character can move within the highlighted areas yeah and depending on how far you move you can either just move really really far or you can move a little bit and then do an action so in that way it's kind of like D. Uh. i like the the dual action system um 
the uh, the perks and upgrades are really fun. So like I mentioned, you know, if you get shot in the leg and you, your your leg gets mangled, um, you move slower. But because you have to depend on how slow you move, you actually aim better because you're moving so slowly. So you can't move as far, but you shoot better. Okay. There's ones where you go a little bit crazy because of the spoopy stuff you're seeing, whether it be ghosts, demons, or some Cthulhu-like shit. You, uh, you may go crazy, but you also are fearless from just normal bad guys. So if you see spoopy stuff, you're like, oh, no, I've, I don't want to be eaten by the tentacle monster. But you see bandits, and you're just like, man, fuck that guy. Get over here. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> so that, that was something I was like, that's really kind of cool. And then uh, your actual upgrades are all based on poker decks. So like oh, if you so yeah. like you get like cool. an if you get the ace of hearts, it means that your character can move a little bit farther. Or if you get the um, king of jack, uh, the king of jacks, the king of diamonds, your character can hold a little bit more ammunition. Okay. Very but cool. what's even cooler on that is you can actually build a poker deck. So if you build like two kings in a deck, you get an extra bit of luck. Oh, so if you get actual hands from poker, if you get actual hands from poker, you can start actually building like this really cool perks and uh, advantages for your character. So if you get a straight flush, you're like this godlike character. I I assume that unlocks God mode. I assume. (laughs) I mean, you never know. know, Being a Western God, you get three heads of cattle instead of just two. (laughs) (laughs) And guaranteed no coyotes will come around. No coyotes. None whatsoever. (laughs) Um, uh, and then, like I've mentioned before, the afflictions are both boon and bane. So those, it, it's just, it's a really cool dynamic. It is not perfect. I will give it that. Some of the portions, like when you're exploring the, the houses or the, just the world in general, it looks really pretty. Like the art style is very cool, very gothic comic, uh, comic book style, gothic horror right. stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you actually look at the open world area, it looks a little plain. Okay. Like there's not much going on there. And then some of the areas I've seen when the, with like the actual combat maps, when you're actually there looking at the people running around, it's a little janky. Like some, some people will be running in place for a few seconds. So there's a few bugs. Right. Nothing major, but it, it was a, a, a bit jarring when you're like looking at this beautiful, you know, script of text and this beautiful text box and all this cool art style looking at your character. And then you go to this weird pixelated man with red shirt running. You're like, ah. Uh, that takes a little bit away from it. So it's not it's not great in that respect. But overall, I've had a great time, and I'm going to give this game a dig. Nice. So next Steam sale, when it goes on sale, yeah. buy it. Or actually, or if it's a dig, you can buy it now. Yeah, yeah seriously. Yeah, support. those, those guys that are... Out. Those guys are... Uh, I, I, I highly suggest it. It's a lot of fun. If, you, if you're in that... If you're in the realm of liking the whole tactical XCOM style kind of game, yeah, dive in. I really want to dive into those kind of games because you have XCOM that's out, you have South Park coming out that's going to be very much on that realm of turn-based combat. You right. have Mario plus Rabbids that they announced that's going to have that same kind of feel. So Correct. Like, that's becoming a bigger thing, and I want to get into it before it's overcoming everything that we play. Now, so. Devin, if your thing is at tactics and being smart, and you go for the story so you can cry horrifically because you're so invested. Not saying this game needs to be sad, but how's the story? Uh, it's uh, the story is very good. Is it engaging? I, yes. Is it, oh, absolutely. Uh-huh. The um, the what's funny? I forgot to mention this. The whole game is actually narrated by a pale man with black hair and a large and a very nice looking 
western suit and the bolo tie whose name is death oh no way i could have never guessed that holy crap yeah seriously okay great it's very cool and the whole time he narrates he's telling you like what's going on so what really got what the part where it hooked me was the first mission and uh the mission just said uh go reclaim your house from the bandits and i was like oh fucking bandits here we go gonna shoot them up and i started and then and the narrator death is the men overwhelmed the house you could tell by the fires burning in the barn you used to play in as a child it had to be yours and then oh as as, as you start going in you're shooting everybody midway through killing the people he goes only too late did daryl realize that the men he was killing were from the government. It seemed as if your house was no longer yours. It was theirs. And now, duh, you're an outlaw. And then a guitar strum happened, and I'm sitting there playing just like, holy shit. (laughs) So, yes, it's a very engaging story. Good, good. That's nice. It's good to hear. Wow. That's cool. Well, speaking of engaging stories, uh, I and Meg have been playing a game called Life is Strange, which we've talked about early on in the podcast. But I want to revisit this because I think it's it's always good because we have the prequel that was announced at E3. Yeah, this game's gotten a lot of attention soon. lately. So it's and it was it's, free on PlayStation. So and I think it, exactly. The popularity yeah, yeah. So Meg, you played a lot more of it, so I'll let you kind of kick off and talk about it a little bit, and then I'll you know jump in. Okay, and my two cents on there. Perfect. So. Well, we'll start ba- ba- at the start the first episode and immediately is super engaging yeah i really enjoy games that just throw you into it you know mm. we are we're the saturated with this is how you do this yeah. and this is how you do that and watch this it just you mean shitty starts. tutorials <laughs> yeah like the first 10 minutes is a tutorial whereas this one it was like you learn as you go as you go you yeah. Yeah. you discover with her her power and yeah. that oh. is phenomenal yeah that's mm-hmm. freaking cool and i went in completely blind i didn't watch a trailer or anything so i was just like oh i'm in oregon it's beautiful it's gorgeous you know and you discover her time travel manipulation power or rewind power yes and it is and you you start using it off the bat and as you go it's really interesting because you wonder the media you're like are there limits oh yes there are definitely limits <laughs> Yeah, it was it was really interesting to me when the, how they introduced it. I won't give away the the way they did, yeah. but it was like you had you were thrust into the usage of that in order to do this particular event, and it was just it was so well done. And then you see instantly within five, the consequences, like, yeah, the consequences of it, and then how you can just you start learning as you play. And you, I also say there's yeah. instant, but there's also long term consequences. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're in to that kind of play style of my actions have consequences throughout all, all five episodes. Stuff you do in the first episode will affect through the fifth episode. Yeah, think Telltale where they're like, you will, they will remember this. It's the same kind of concept except on another level. And what I like about this is the rewind function lets you, you see an experience and you make a decision and she's like, man, I, I feel really, she's narrating her head. Mm-hmm. I feel like bad about what I just did. I wonder what would happen if I like went back. So it entices you to kind of want to go back the first couple of times. So you rewind, you play out the different event, and then it could have a much better outcome at the onset. But then you think about long-term consequences. How could this affect the game? And she narrates in her head each each time. So then you're forced with 
because she'll bring up she's kind of a downer at the beginning <laughs> she'll bring up the negative for both well i really shouldn't have done that yeah because of this and then you rewind like this will be the right choice man i really should. i shouldn't have done that for this reason and just sitting there like then we're going home <laughs> that's it i don't know how to help you woman. <laughs> i don't know how to help you well and sometimes i find it great if you just think both of those things are going to be bad don't even talk to the person there, there and you just go. walk off. You rewind yeah. all the way and just walk away, because and, and it's great because we say it throws us into it, and you discover they do do a good job of showing you the mechanics and giving you clues as to, hey, maybe that isn't a great idea, or hey, this will have a longer lasting effect, or what have you. Right, right. That's now a really it, cool way to do it because I think about Telltale and how they try to tell you about the implications of your choices and how so and so will remember that, or so and so saw you do this. I mean, it kind of tells you. It really holds your hand as far as the implications go. And I kind of like the idea of this game instead just kind of planting the seed in your in your head about, oh, I, maybe I shouldn't have done that or maybe I shouldn't have just engaged that person at all. Like that's a really that's a really nice, organic, natural way for the players to engage with potential consequences and choices and yeah and that's on that note that's another thing that's really interesting about this game is that in telltale a lot of the situations and the decisions that you make they're scripted to lead to that event and you have to make a choice regardless of what happens like you have to make a choice but like meg said earlier like you don't have to make that choice in this game you can just completely avoid that choice entirely and not talk to that person once you rewind. You can completely cir- uh, circumvent that entire... Not, so yeah. this is a lot more flexible of a game than a Telltale game would be. You and, really have control yeah. over the future of this game. Yeah. Truly. That's really cool. And the way that they... Because there are important things you have to do to progress the story. Right. But it is so natural how they incorporate it into everything you have to do. Mm. To the point to where... In the journal, how you can, if you say you put it down for a little while and you have to go back and you forget what your major thing is, it's just a little sticky note up in the corner of a journal, your main point. Other than that, it's really important to immerse yourself into everything and you want to. You want to keep talking to people. You want to go back and there's a bit that they do when you kind of save this girl over and over again from just getting stuff thrown at her or she falls down and you and you want to go talk to her, make sure she's doing well. And immediately there's a character who is kind of sad and you are drawn to her. And do they just have written these beautiful characters that you are so invested in within the first episode? And it could be a game that you play in an hour and a half. I end up playing it for two or three hours because you want to go back, you want to read <laughs> right. everything, you want to rewind. You, you want to explore and you the you want full, to. You yeah. don't ever feel like you have to do that. It doesn't feel like a video game mission where you, you, you're, you're looking at it like a yes. mission-based list. This actually feels very exploratory and natural yeah it's it's very it's a very personal story because this is set at a a academy blackwell academy which is a prestigious uh high school for art students photographers and stuff it's right after high school right you can be in high school it's like 18 to 20 year olds go here oh those kids are the worst yeah and you know you got you got the clicks of like the really rich kids that are in there and then this girl is kind of the The outcast of everything and And uh, but you have a, a nice variety of everybody in this. In Here's this my question on that. Then do they do the kids well? Because I think about like one of my biggest gripes when it comes to you know video games do this, but mostly like you know TV and film that 
when someone portrays high school, they make it just so stereotyped and just throw your your standard tropes onto everything, like the the big uh, the 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 big jock with the letter jacket, and then you know the nerd with the glasses and pocket. But like they we're we're in twenty seventeen, and we're still getting those tropes played on to this day. They're there because those tropes exist in high school, but they don't do it too much. Yeah. That's my personal opinion. Mm. They're there because there is a dichotomy between the people you want to like in this game and the people that you don't want to like. But they kind of play it more like the CW would with the really rich kids who party a lot. Pretty and then, white kids. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty white kids I will problems. say there's a lot of diversity in this because it is an art school. And, it, and I would say to their credit, um, they portray not only youth well, but they do it uh, organ that takes place in Oregon. Yeah. So they do that. They have phrases and things that tend to be like for that area. Oh, local dialect. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, I mean, they do have the stereotypical tropes in there, but they feel purposeful they don't feel and they don't feel like they were just there because they're stereotypes. They were oh, there nice. because I relate to that stuff okay. from my own high school experiences mm-hmm. and right. stuff like that. Absolutely. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a great game. If you guys haven't played life is strange yet, definitely pick it up. Obviously it's a dig. And then um, it'll <laughs> yeah. be interesting to see. It's still free, right? Mm. Uh, the first episode's free, I believe. But the game you have to buy. Because okay. there's five there's five episodes to it. The first one's about two hours. Um, but yeah, so. Worth it. It's, it's, it's definitely worth it. I think I paid, I don't know. I don't remember what I paid because I bought it a long time ago. But it was worth it because it's cool. awesome. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what this next game is like because the team that developed this one is not doing the prequel. It's a different that. team, okay. which is interesting. So it's huh. a Dote Nod Entertainment that did this one, and they're they've passed like another studio has taken over with it, which because this 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 team here is working on something else. So we'll wow. see if the dynamic changes. But I'm excited. So see how it goes. Yeah, I'm very excited. But um, nice. Last game we have to talk about. I believe is a game another game that i play we've been just doing nothing but like indie games which is really exciting it's fine and by awesome me. yeah it's um, fine by me i played a game called orwell which this is this is on steam i it probably is going to be at some point on other things but this is kind of a pc based game because you are logging into a computer system essentially but orwell is a game in which you basically play big brother and you are you log into this computer system called Orwell and you are playing in a researcher essentially that has to find and build profiles around people by spying on their text messages, listening to their phone calls, reading articles on the internet and scanning through documents to figure out correlations with these individuals that you are investigating to build a case around bringing them in for, you know, prison or whatever. And uh, it's the whole idea is centered around this bombing attack that's been taking place by what you learn to find is an activist group of some kind that is against the Big Brother kind of idea and uh, that thoughts should be free and things of that nature. So your job is the government that is trying to gather information for these people. But what's cool about this is as you're reading through these documents and listening to these phone call conversations and stuff like that, you start building these profiles and you have to drag them into the Orwell database. And once they're submitted to the Orwell database, that information is there forever. You can't remove it once you've placed it in the database. And that is the only information that 
the prosecutor people can actually see and read. So you see all this information and data about people, but not until you release it to the Orwell system can anybody else hear or see about it. So what you provide them is what they have to go on to prosecute these people. So as you're playing the game, you'll see different types of information that are varying views about somebody's perspective on something. So say they don't like the, like one person in this article will write on a forum post or on their Facebook page. I hate the government. They should die. Like they say that aggressive stance, but then at this other location, they say, Oh, the government's got some issues, but they, they look out after me kind of thing. So they have two different perspectives. Well, it is your decision to decide which one of those pieces of information you put into the database. So you can decide, I want to put the harsh perspective in the database, or I want to put the so-so perspective in there. And that is what is used to prosecute this individual. This game sounds like it's going to do nothing but make conspiracy theorists just lose their (laughs) damn minds. I actually just threw away my cell phone. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) It's, It's pretty scary. So, I mean, you're sitting here like there's a conversation, a text message conversation between a boyfriend and girlfriend, and you're just reading the threads as they're going back and forth. Like, hey, honey, how are you? Oh, I'm doing so good. Oh, you're so cute, blah, blah, blah. And they're having this little like banter back and forth. And then they share information about stuff. And I'm like, literally, okay, this is something that'll help out my case. So I'll drag it over into the system. I'm like, I am literally spying on people right now. And obviously they're not real, but it's just they've they built these profiles around these people that are so so well done because the first person you investigate is a art student that has family that comes from like big pharma. So they have a lot of money. So they end up falling into art, but then she gets exposed to this activist group and things go down the line from there. And then you start building cases around multiple people at once. So you have to decide, okay, this person does this. So let me go to this person's profile, load this in here. And then you're trying to basically just like stop these bombings. So it's a good reason for what you're doing, but you're, investigating into the lives of all these people and basically breaking every possible sense of privacy that these people have. And it's so crazy and weird, but very did you well feel? Done. Did you feel a little guilty playing this game? Like I would feel guilty playing this game a little bit, but then I was like, I just got to learn more. You wouldn't give me all your secrets. <laughs> oh my God. Let me learn more. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a cool game. I mean, it wasn't, I don't know what it is now, but I think I paid $5 for it on the Steam sale and it's fun. I've put in about two and a half hours into it so far and I don't know wow. what the okay. full amount of the game is, but I would say it's probably got five or six hours of time into it because um, I haven't fully built the profiles yet, but it goes in it's a period $10 of days. on Steam right there, now. Perfect. $10. 10 bucks, 10 that's, bucks that's is fine. Nothing. So um, it's, it's a really cool game, but it's definitely mouse and keyboard, so I doubt they're going to bring it to anything else, but... Yeah. If you have PC, you have but you Steam, know what? Like that's, I mean, that sounds unlike really any kind of game I've ever played. So mm-hmm. it sounds like it's one worth picking up. Yeah, definitely. So that's Orwell. Big Brother is watching us. They're watching us all. All right. So that wraps up our video games this week. Stay tuned, everybody, for our upcoming video game releases and gaming news. And if there's something that you want to hear us talk about on the podcast, a game we should review, check out. Email us at hello at theinnergamer.net. And we will be back after the break. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. And we are back. Today we have our upcoming video game releases. And as per usual... There's only one game. uh, Yeah, yeah, just release. Single release. Not multiple releases. Just one. 
Um, we are about to enter into the intensity of August, September, October, November, and December. So prepare yourselves because there will be a lot more in this segment. Yeah, so for now, now, we're just going to... The, the summer slog is almost over. It's almost we're over. We're almost done with this. But uh, coming out next week, July 18th, we have a game called Yonder the Cloud Catcher Chronicles. It is coming out on PS4 and PC. And in this game, there is a place called... Gamia, I think, maintains the appearance of a paradise, yet an evil murk has enshrouded the land and its people in despair. As the hero of Yonder, you will explore this place and uncover the island's secrets and mysteries within yourself. I didn't know anything about this game, except as I was reading it, I found out it's got an open world. You can customize your character, master professions, craft items, explore everything about the world, farm, fish, the whole nine yards build and harvest multiple farms across eight diverse biomes. It's just this huge expansive world that kind of sounds like Stardew Valley, but completely 3d. Um, yeah, it sounds it really interesting. It looks a little bit like, um, breath of the wild, a little yes. bit more, a more, uh, even more cartoony version of breath of the wild. Cause there's a giant dog just running around like, I say a giant dog, like a plateau-sized dog running around this world. Yeah, that thing's pretty weird. Um, but it, I mean, it looks really interesting. It's got a. It's, I mean, it's a pretty game. So that comes out July 18. So check that game out, guys, and see if you're interested in it. It sounds very cool. So um, anyway, on to the news. First up on our list of stories we have today: Five Nights at Freddy's. Have either of you guys played the series Five Nights at Freddy's? I I watch people play it. Okay. Yeah. Same. Never played it myself. Yeah. I never did either. Travis used to play it a lot um, when he would stream and stuff like that. But they're they're working on the guy that created it. It's a single person. He was working on Five Night at Freddy's six, and he announced it, and then he canceled it. And it was kind of a bummer to some people. But what he said about the cancellation is that as you make games, and when you get into more and more games, every number iteration of said game demands a higher level of quality and advancement on the game to where eventually you just kind of get burnt out because you can't ever you can't just keep making things better because it's just harder and harder every time so rather than him trying to make the sixth iteration of this game better he was just like i don't want to you know destroy my life with doing something i don't really care about i'm going to stop working on this game and then focus efforts on something else that he really enjoys. Right. So, and you know, why, well, that may be a bummer to, you know, some diehard fans of the series. Cause I know that there are people who love playing five nights at Freddy's, but I can, I can understand that especially if it's a solitary dev, like, man, like if, if you're feeling burnt, step away. Oh yeah. Otherwise it'll just be a poor product yeah. that you're not proud of. And ultimately fans should understand that. Yeah. Period. Because then you'll get something that you don't like and it'll ruin yeah. something that you love. Right. Yeah. And I think for him too, it's it's good because he doesn't want to be known as the five night at Freddy's guy. You know, he probably wants to leave more of something than that. So does anybody want to be known that. as the five nights at Freddy's guy? I know, right. <laughs> Am I offending people? I'm sorry, listeners. Yeah. Um but anyway, he said that the the universe isn't dead yet. They are working on a movie actually based on Five Nights at Freddy's. Really? So that's kinda cool. Um, we can just watch my more fifth, stuff coming, fifth so. birthday party. Is that Chuck E. Cheese? The power went out. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that is Jesus scary. Christ. Oh man, that basically no. is a real life Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, 
Five Nights at Freddy's. Five my Nights at Gosh, my childhood horror. Yeah, those those things are scary, and without with lights on, can you imagine without the lights? I just this kind of stuff reminds me. It's so nostalgic of I did play Slender. I felt like they were always in competition. Oh, yeah. I always put things in competition that probably aren't in competition with right. each other. So I would just, you know, knock back a couple of Smirnoff ices and go to town <laughs> with Slender. Ew, no, let me just retract that. I never, never gross Bud Light for life. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the change. Uh, was not the <laughs> two limes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's uh, that's something we all have. Now. That's more information that you have about not Five Nights at Freddy's, but <laughs> make herself. It's it's. It's been nice recording. I'll I'll see myself out. I'll, 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 see I'll add that to my Orwellian profile. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. Prefers Bud Light. <laughs> With that's lime. the saddest thing. <laughs> that's what I prefer. Nothing good. Not a nice craft yeah, right? beer. Or <laughs> go to the raw brewery or something. I prefer. Tell, tell me about. Light. Tell me about this suspect. She likes Bud Light with two limes. Gross. See, Did that, you bring the limes? Get out. Leave get the bud. Out. That's awesome. Um, all right. So we've been talking a lot about Player Unknown's Battlegrounds lately because Good we are Lord. obsessed. I have clocked in well over almost twenty five hours now. I'm sure a whole day. Similar. I know it's crazy. Um, so the game actually still to this day is not released as not its fully original released. version 1.0. It was supposed to come out around October-ish, um, but that's been delayed because they want to make it even better. So they came out and said that it won't be six months after the launch of the early access. It'll now be more towards the end of the year. So expect the version 1.0 of PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds sometime at the end of the year. However, we don't know when. But they don't want to deliver a game that leads to disappointment with the community if the if they don't meet the launch deadline, so they're like, let's just delay it now, fix it, get it where we want it to be, and then we'll go from there. Well, it sounds like with the amount of people who are already playing it, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, I I love it. I mean, it's this is one of the few games that I played that, despite all the bugs, like yesterday I could not get in a car. There was a four-person car that we could not get into with four people because it was bugged. But I still love it. I still keep playing it. So I just I can't wait till they release the full version where it's even better than before. So I still need to play. Although from what everyone's been saying, I feel like once I start playing, I'm gonna you lose your life. Uh, one, I'm gonna lose my life, and two, I'm just gonna I'm gonna skyrocket with my blood pressure with how mad I'm gonna get. Oh, dude, yeah, because you get all this good loot, and then all of a sudden somebody just shoots you from across the map with an eight x scope, and you're like. Dermot. Yeah. I worked so hard to get that yeah. gun. I'll yeah. make sure to be that person for you, Devin. Thank you. Thank you, Meg. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that's awesome. Whatever. Um, anyways, the next story we have, I am really interested to talk about this and discuss it. So Super Mario Odyssey is coming out this year. Yep. We're all really excited, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have come out and said through a tweet that was translated by Eurogamer that... Super Mario Odyssey will not have the iconic game over screen that we're so used to in Super Mario. Instead, when you get down to zero health, you lose 10 coins from your treasury and you keep on playing and you always continue to play. There is no game over screen in this entire game. You just keep on playing. And the reason for this switch Switch, get it, pun, ha ha ha, Nintendo Switch. Oh my God, thank you for explaining. I would have never, <laughs> I would have never got it. Yeah. Wow. I, I like to, I like to over 
emphasize. Shut the fuck up and keep talking about the game. So they are doing this because they want to encourage exploration throughout their open world. So rather than making you die and have to go back and repeat things, you just lose coins. So you have to work even harder and explore even more to find more coins to buy your upgrades and things within the game because you can buy new clothing items and things of that nature with those coins. So what do you guys think about this? They're that, getting rid of game over. I, mm, Ooh, I, mm. I don't want to say I'm against it, but this is going to take some getting used to for me because all I've ever known from Mario is a game over screen or at least the, the, the silhouetted Bowser face going into the background. Right, right. I say good riddance. It was so frustrating <laughs> every time I see one of those goddamn screens. You know, I know I'm incapable of winning this game. I understand. Don't throw it in my face. No, but it's always cool. that They are so amazing at bringing new things. I'm never going to say no to them. You know what I mean? Breathing fresh life into a, a genre that's been around for ever, ever. And so I appreciate 30, them. 30 plus years now. Anytime they want to do something new, I'm for it. That and fuck those game over. <laughs> game over. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I hate the game over screens too, especially if you get so far and there's no checkpoint. You have to go all the way back, like in Dark Souls. It's it's just such a. It makes me want to quit playing the game. Yep. So for people like me, this will make me want to keep playing more. I'm excited. I look forward to it. That's cool. Yeah. It, it's it's the more we've kind of discussed it now. I. I'm warming up to it. And it's it's not like they're changing the color of his outfit Welcome. to a sky blue or something. They're just progressing with the times and good sure. for yeah. them. And and they're also, sure. it's kind of worse now. You're going to lose that money so you can go. And I'm all about customization. Yeah. I will spend hours customizing my sim and not actually play the damn game. because <laughs> I'm all about it. First thing I did when I played Pokemon Sun was find the place where I could change my outfit. Like, right. So that's really cool. It's a It's a good reward system to not be terrible at playing video games yep yep it, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun and that's coming out very soon so get ready for super Skip. mario odyssey what was it october i think Some, sometime Skip. in october i believe um that should be should be a good time next up on our list oh man i'm sorry we keep returning to overwatch but it's hard I'm not, not to i don't care i don't either i've but never even heard of overwatch what is that oh, oh well let me tell you though so, oh, okay, okay. Sorry, no, i'm just kidding no. um don't so in overwatch we have a new character it was teased now it's been announced the new character is what devin what said. were you saying brett i'm sorry <laughs> it, it, was, it was yeah yeah Doomfist. Hey, Devin, why don't you shut the fuck up so you can talk about the game? (laughs) My bad. So Doomfist is here. And I first want to talk about the origin story because the internet is blowing up with how badass that trailer was. Yeah. Did you watch it? Yes. Yeah. It's like anime. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, most certainly was. I mean, like the art style and stuff is like super cool and very interesting to give way to who this character is, Doomfist. Well, we finally see what all those payload missions have been about what that freaking fist going through but yeah this is i'm excited to play this character if for nothing else the fact that he has a hellboy style giant arm that's gonna punch the hell out of all the players and if i get one chance where i can just if i if i if i get if i get to punch may in the face i'm gonna be so happy Ooh, i'm done okay so yeah. So my question for you, because you you haven't played this character yet, and I have, and I want to ask you, because this 
this is not what I expected about this character. So what is your expectation when you think of Doomfist, what you've seen and what you've read, how do you picture this character? Like as a, a play type, fast, slow, and super strong, super what? Like what? What? Fast what arena and super strong, in? but easily killed. Okay, kind of like um, a character the size of Reinhard, but much faster. No shield, obviously, so he's going to die probably pretty quick. But he hits like a Mack truck. Damn, that's like pretty pretty well pretty well on on spot on. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, no, he is definitely that way. Like, he is way faster than I thought he would be. I mean, he is the speed of... I mean, he's he's almost the speed of Tracer in a way. Like, he moves Damn. so fast. He's okay. super quick. And what I didn't realize was how awesome... Like, because he has two... Obviously, he has two hands. His left hand shoots bullets out of his fingers. And it has a five-charge set of rounds. You can shoot five, and then you have to wait for them to recharge. And you can keep doing that. And it's kind of... It's most akin to me to uh, Zenyatta's orb. Oh, okay. It kind of has that kind of punch. Yeah. So it does a lot of damage, a lot more than I expected it to, because his thing is all about his fist, but you can go around and like pop these people while you're waiting for your other abilities to recharge. Yeah. And it's like pow, 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 pow. And then when you do your fist, your fist isn't just a fist punch. It's a hold to charge to have more power punch. So if you see a tracer on the map, and you charge that, and now when you charge it, once it's done fully charging, it just goes. So you got to make sure you time that you right, time it right to hit. But when you hit, it's a one kill on Tracer. Like it'll pound her. You gotta, you gotta charge is, that fist up like yeah. your postmark from St. Louis, and then and you'll crazy. pound her. I think phrasing, guys. <laughs> yeah, that kid, that, phrasing, that guys. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not here to yeah. be the watchdog of the podcast. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. So you you hit. Though that doesn't sound good either. I can't think of a no, good word. No, hit sounds fine. Smack yeah. that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh just, my gosh, this is just. It wouldn't have been crazy. so bad. Uh, no, y'all can't see this, but he he bit his lower lip when he said pounder. And, mm, <laughs> no, no I did not say that. I'm actually seeing myself out right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, so Doom Fist is. But really a new cool. character. That's awesome. New that, character. This really game cool. uh, once again. This game continuing to just put out new content for free. New characters, new maps, and it's, I don't want to say it's possible, but this game has the potential to be a game of the year 2.0. It's, it's, it's up there. The it's community is still freaking massive. Super strong. And I mean, he's very well done. He's, he's super fast. He's super quick. He's got this ability where he does this like uppercut punch where he like runs up and like punches up in the air and like kind of gets some uh, air as he goes up. And then you have another move that you press your button to jump forward and then pounce down with your fist on the ground. And it kind of does this little short term AOE kind of attack around you. Interesting. And, uh, so those attacks knock back. Uh, they can a little bit. Yeah. Ooh. And then they have, uh, his, his ultimate is essentially something where you jump up in the air, you have this big, huge target reticle and you move it in the space to where you want to drop. And you just pounce down this really huge, like hurricane, like, bang on the ground and you just like kill everybody around you within that radius. That's awesome. It's super cool. Yeah. He's, he's a really good character. Um, they did a good job with him. I mean, he's got that. Um, what is it? I think he's from, where's this character from? He's from Africa somewhere, but he's got that, that accent from starts with an N Nigeria. There we go. I think he's, he's a Nigerian character. So he's got that Nigerian accent, but he's a really well done character. Very strong, very nice, very quick. Um, and yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to playing awesome. him more. 
outside of the cool. PTR. Yeah. So last story we have for you guys today, Xbox One, they've announced that they are bringing out a game gifting feature to it, the Xbox One. It is about damn time that we finally have a game gifting feature on these damn consoles. Does um PlayStation doesn't have one, does it? No. What the hell? None of them do. It's so weird. I mean, you can buy like gift cards and like, stuff, but okay, yeah, cool, a gift card. But you know how much easier it would be for me just to like if I wanted, hey, like, hey Meg, here's a copy of Little Nightmares in your inbox, yeah. like you can do yeah. with Steam. Oh yeah, I literally do that all one the of the time. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, hey guys, we need to play a game. So you, there's Here's there's parts where you can buy four packs in Steam. Yeah, so I like buy a four pack and just split it with everybody, and they just like cash me when they're ready and stuff, and it's it's great because you get a discount when you buy the the multiple quantities. So it is good that they're doing that. Um, I look forward to seeing how that program works with everything. Cause I mean, Hey, I mean, Devin, if you want to buy me, uh, you know, any, any games, you're more than welcome to send me some games. I'm over. not buying you Forza. Oh dude, that'd be awesome. Fuck off. So good. Whatever. Can't wait for Forza. <laughs> it's gonna be exciting. I'm the only one that's going to be talking about that on the podcast. Cause everybody else doesn't like it. But anyway, that's cool. I'm excited to see. Uh, Xbox is bringing out some cool stuff. They got the Game Pass. They got their uh, backwards compatibility is getting hu- more huge every day. They have the... Uh, yes, I'm so excited about that. Yes. And the Xbox original Xbox coming out. That's going to be good. So stoked. Well, the fact, like, I, I hope I hope this extends to literally any indie games, backwards compatible games, full-on games. I hope that I can, I can send people games that I have fond memories of that I want to share with them. Especially people like me, because I'm very new to the scene when it comes to gaming, at least. And so I'm catching up. Like, I just played Kingdom Hearts for the first time back in 2012. Mm -hmm. And so that would would be a really cool feature to be like, hey, I really think you'll like this. Try Mm -hmm. it out. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So that way I'm not investing too much in something I might not like. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I can get educated that way as well. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Cool. Real quick, last thing we have, a little worth mentioning article here. This is pretty exciting. Netflix has released the new Castlevania series to the Netflix lineup. Simon Belmont, bitch! It is super bingeable at just under 100 minutes worth of content, which is kind of crazy. But it is out. Have any of you guys watched it? Nope, but I want to. It just came out, too. It just, yeah. I'm very excited. I love Castlevania. I can't believe you haven't played much Castlevanias. Or none of them. Okay. And here I, we are to promote something we've never seen and some of us have never played the internet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Good point. Yes. No, so I mean, I've been a dude. I was a PC gamer all my life. I didn't play consoles when I was younger. That was not my thing. I was I a super it. nerd, I super love- geek. Castlevania Symphony of the Night is probably one of the absolute greatest games of all time, and I highly suggest you play it, or at least, you know, dig into it. But yes, a new series from Netflix, which... Give me life, Netflix. Give me anything, I'll watch it. (laughs) I know this is gaming, but I'm just saying, it's good shit. It is good shit. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that is everything we have for the gaming news segment, guys. Thank you for listening to... Our talks on news. Yeah. If there's something that we missed or there's something you want to hear us talk about, let us know at theinnergamer.net. And we are going to take a quick break and come back with our discussion, which Only is, it is not a discussion. It is an interview, actually, with Justin from Stifled VR. They work for Gitai Games, and he is the designer for 
a very cool game that we played at E3. It is a VR game in which you use echolocation to navigate the world. That's insane. It's very cool. So stay tuned for that interview. We'll be back here momentarily. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have a special guest on. We have Justin Ung from uh, Gatai Games. He is working on Stifled VR, a uh, new virtual reality game. And Justin, welcome to the show. Yeah, hey, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah, welcome. So you are the uh, the design and business guy, as your official yep. title states, for Gatai yeah. Games. Uh, so tell yeah. me a little bit, just briefly, what is your job a little more and a more elaboration about working with Stifle VR and the company itself. Right. Uh, so, so Gata Games is a Singapore-based uh, game studio. Um, we're currently like five guys. Uh, so, in the team, I'm the design business guy. So, what we what I mean is like um, I handle game design. So, I help with game design. I don't actually do much of it anymore now because like it's too much business stuff for me to do. And I try to keep money in the bank. It's like my main job now so it's like try to market the game try to make money try to like get money from places so that we can survive to right. keep making games yeah so yeah. so i'd like to actually explore that process a little bit from how you having worked on that what are some like how do you guys go about doing that like marketing and especially the money side how do you go about yeah. recruiting um getting money for the game to help continue development when you haven't released anything oh. yet um, so a lot of the funding that we use as a studio, it's most of it is from our savings. Uh, so and well, and getting grants from the Singapore government, like okay, it, they have been pretty supportive in general. That's awesome. Um, so I think a lot of my job, that's most of my co-founders, they are not too keen on getting like excellent investments. So right, uh, VCs has always been out of the question and all that. And earlier on, we didn't really want to work with a publisher because we thought we could do it ourselves. Um, so a lot of my job has been trying to figure out how best to spend the money that we have and how to like stretch the dollar. So sometimes you can spend money and then you can like get it back, get some of it back uh, via grants or like some schemes that our government offers. So I spent a lot of time doing that and writing um, reports and making sure that we can get those things subsidized. Yeah. And you know, save money as much as we can. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm sure it's uh, not a not a cheap endeavor to work on a virtual reality game, especially. Um, so you said your team is uh, five people. Uh, how yep. did the team get together? What was the uh, how, how did you guys kind of become right. incepted? Right. So um, the team right now, like we are all um, friends from school, like classmates and schoolmates. So okay. uh, like in university, so all of us are from the Japan Singapore, which the Japan is like if you know it's a uh, Redmond, Washington, like based uh, game school. Okay. Yeah, and they have a branch in Singapore. So like, the core team basically went there for school, and we kind of met one another when we were there. Um. So I, actually, when I went to school, I I went into the went into school with the like idea of like I want to start a studio. So I spent a lot of time working with all different people, and then trying to figure out like what's a good mix of people that we can work together with to start a studio. And yeah. That was the resulting, uh, guys that we started with. Yeah. And yeah, we I think we basically started the school right out of graduation. And 
after after working on some prototypes here and there, we got really lucky with one of our school projects, which is like lurking, which what Stifle is based out of. Based off, yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah. the game that you so tell me what was the name of the game in? Uh, lurking. Lurking. Okay, and, yeah. So in lurking, is it the the same kind of concept where it was uh based around echolocation, which we'll go deeper into that here in a second. But I'm curious if it's uh right. was the same uh, idea. Pretty pretty much. So if like people Google lurking, um, it's pretty easy to find the game. I would say just like okay. PewDiePie and Markiplier played it. Uh, so it, like, oh nice. It's, it's pretty up on the. It's it's like on the internet. It's kind of nice. Right. Um. So it's basically the same concept as Stifle. It's like sound is the core mechanic. You just have to see, but all the enemies hear the sound, and then uh, it creates this like very uh, push and pull, risk and reward mechanic that's like very naturalistic and. That creates a lot of tension just by, just 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 by virtue of its uh, graphics being so simplistic. Because like you can't see when you don't make sound, but if you make sound, there's a chance that enemy can hear you. So you always have to say, "Oh, what do I do?" kind of moment. And the additional microphone input that we have kind of plays very well to like YouTube and Twitch as well because players can't really talk to their uh, viewers anymore. So right. It makes it it, it kind of like mixes things up, and then I I think that's why a lot of like streamers play the game. So it's like it's a very it it gives the viewers a different kind of like experience when they watch the, the streams. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, when when I when you told me about the uh, the voice control in the game when I played it at a I, I first played this game out in E3. These these guys were at the Mix LA during E3 and got to try the demo of the game and. Um, it was, it was really cool being able to just, just talk. I mean, I love how the, they built that headset to have the microphone built into it and the way in which you guys, um, utilize that. Cause even if you make the slightest noises, I mean, it can be heard and it can be, yeah. you know, make it, make a sound, which I think is really interesting. Um, yeah. what, where did the idea for, for this game mechanic come about? Was it just, you know, did you guys have some relationship to somebody that uses echolocation in real life or was it just you just did some research to figure out what would be some cool thing that we can do in a vr game where did where did the idea come from i i would say it's actually um uh fairly lucky kind of kind of like the 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 quote-unquote origin story is pretty lucky yeah so when we were in school like uh, one of the designers saw this video of a little girl oh she's blind it's animation and then she's like blind she's like tapping the ground tapping the walls and making noise and based on her mood what she saw was different so uh, if she was happy everything looked really cheery and like colorful if she was scared um, everything was kind of dull and you know like it, it, was, it just like kind of linked to her emotion and and we felt like that was a really cool core mechanic like we, we, we felt like using sound as a core mechanic would be really fun right and because so once we saw the video we started like working on prototypes as part of the school project um, the funny story is like Lurking started off with a very uh, innocent premise. So because like the video is pretty innocent, so we say, like, oh, maybe we can use like pitch and then like uh, rhythm or like sounds that the player makes to like solve puzzles. Yeah, but as we worked on it, uh, the microphone came in because like oh, uh, okay, so the part of the microphone was part of was partly because of VR, because at that point in time, I think it was twenty thirteen. Um, the Oculus DK1 just started coming to getting into the hands of people and it was like really expensive. So like the team was like, oh, we're making a sound-based game. How do we make uh, VR affordable? So why not use a microphone? That's kind of cool. Uh, so that's how the microphone came in. And then over time, we 
worked on the art style. Like I came up with the art style, like the very simplistic black and white. And the sound designer was like, dude, this is like perfect for a horror game. So it just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Sure. And then, and then how do we make this horror game scary? So oh, we got a mic, right? And the any. So why what what do we, what if we make the enemies hear the players? That's kind of messed up, right? Like, yeah, that's kind of messed <laughs> up. Let's do it. Yeah. So so it, it was really a lot of luck involved. It's like we just like it just like one thing led to another, and it was like cool. I guess I guess we got something cool here. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's kind of awesome how those. Um, I guess in a, in a way, it's a happy accident that that came about yes, through the process. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. That's that's really really awesome. Um, so with the with the VR and the vastly or the rapid pace of change that happens in VR, how have you guys dealt with those um, constraints, I guess is more or less what it is as time has gone on? Because I'm sure when you guys started the game, how, how long has this game been in development? Um, so the game has been in development like about three years at this point. Okay. Yeah, if we're going to include the, the student project, it's going to be three and a half years. Okay. It's a bit too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like in three years, I mean, a lot has changed with virtual reality. So how did you combat those, um, you know, the, the changing space over time? How did you approach that as things, you know, came out, like Oculus Touch controllers came out and th- things of that right. nature? How did you approach that? So, so as a studio, um, as a team, like, our mantra is to like make cool games and make games that everyone can play. So to be perfect, perfectly honest, like when we first started our project, we we wanted to do VR, like um, the headset and all that, but it wasn't like it wasn't like on the business end standpoint, it didn't make a lot of sense because there were just wasn't enough headsets out in the market. Yeah. So we we did start a project as a first person like first person game. So you use the controller or use the mouse and keyboard to like control your character and then move around. And the the, the headset was very much a add-on or, oh, like okay. a, or like a device that kind of like adds to the immersion. It's like how the microphone isn't a requirement to play the game. It it adds to the experience if you play with the microphone, but right. you, know, you can play it without the microphone. So we treated it as a peripheral, less of like a medium. So I think that's something not a lot of studios do. And it's honestly, if you ask me, it's not really the right way to do things. Yeah. But it's, in, my, in, in our opinion, it was the right thing to do at the point of time. Because just looking purely at the numbers of like how many hits it's out there and then looking at how much we actually need to make to make money back from the game to actually survive as a studio and keep making stuff. Right. And that was part of the reason. So a lot of the solutions that we had to come up with was we did a lot of research, we looked at a lot of other games and then we tried to figure out like how can we make the uh, controller based like gamepad gamepad based controller a uh, gamepad controller based gameplay or like movement um, comfortable? Yeah, so it's a lot more like adapting and making sure that the game works well for VR. Because like, we don't want players to play and then feel nauseous and that would be really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it's 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 pretty wild how how quickly things are moving with it and. Um, I mean, I'm I'm just really happy to see so many developers jumping on board with it because we, as a a podcast team, have uh, an Oculus HTC Vive and a PSVR. So we have all yeah. three of them that we've tested out, and I mean, it's a it's a great experience. And every time we bring people over, they really enjoy it. But it's just you know, it's not at the point yet that it's something that everybody's just going to run out and buy because one, it's too expensive, and two, you have to have a room to do it. But it's you guys that are allowing 
it to continue to progress and grow, which is uh, yeah. really cool. So, um, and on that note, the PSVR is the only console based system that has a VR peripheral. So, um, I know you guys are working on the PSVR version for this game. How has it been working with Sony on a, a VR game? Have they been really supportive? And um, right. what have been doing to help you guys grow on the VR side with PSVR? Oh, uh, yeah, pretty much. So um, the whole experience with Sony was, I would say, a pretty good one in general. Because yeah. when we first started Stifled, like we, we, we knew very early on that we wanted to give VR a shot. So... We had this conversation very early on. Um, so like I think it was like two and a half years ago that like, just when we started the project, we approached Sony, like, and and they, we were already like part of the, uh, the indie program. That we already had the dev kits. Well, we were already on board. We were already working on the game. Okay. And once they announced the Morpheus, I basically like we, we spoke to our um the account manager then was like, hey, so we we think uh Cypher is really cool. We, we have this like really cool visual mechanic thing that can transport players into like another world compared to like a lot of games I feel try to mimic real world to some extent. So it becomes like, oh yeah, you, you, you can't do this in real life. So we'll put it here and make it as real as possible. In our case, it's like we just take a very stylized visual and be like, this is what you can't do in real life and you will never experience this unless you do it in VR. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's like our, like our thinking when we went to that and they, I guess they agreed, so they they sent us like the Morpheus Dev Kits like really really early on, uh. So we got the chance to work on it like very early and to kind of figure out the kings and all that with them, uh. Yeah, so we actually like the first Singaporean game developer working on the PSVR. That's, That's awesome. Like, a nice story bit for them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like, uh. As we as we work on the game, we keep sending them builds and stuff, and I I think it's I suppose at one time it this kind of like clicked for them and it's like hey this game like really fits the platform because like we're not just using the VR, we're using their microphone as well. So it's like putting the hardware to good use and stuff. And, you know, so from there on, we started working them a bit closer. So we were able to like borrow kits for events. Um, sometimes even get into events with them, like having uh, kiosk with them and stuff. Right. It's been a good experience. That's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. I've been, I've been really happy with Sony and just their, their backing with um, just the, the indie market and this VR push a lot lately because I mean, their, their any support seems really solid just from a consumer standpoint and um, the PSVR. I mean, for me, it's, it's not the most technologically advanced hardware, but it's yep. definitely the most comfortable and the most accessible. Um, yeah. And it's the one that sold the most. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is very yeah. true. Um, so, so you guys are in Singapore. Um, what is the VR community? Well, start for starters, what is the, the gaming community like there in terms of like game development and stuff like that? And then, um, also on top of that, the VR community, is it growing? Is it, is it a strong community or is it just kind of in the early infancy? Um, what, what stage is it in out there? Um, so with the game community, I think, uh, the, the game community has been around for like maybe seven, eight, ten years at this point. So yeah. I, when I first started um, studying, I didn't really know that was a thing until I like started really like following and finding out. So I think the industry has been around for a while, but we've seen, I would say a lot of like the studios here are still kind of, maybe not the studios here, like Singaporeans in general are pretty um, receptive. So a lot of studios or like companies who do game stuff kind of end up 
following trends to some extent. So okay. like we are still still just trying to like chase mobile trends and stuff. So it's very very it's slower basically. So like I said, we are one of the first studio. We are basically the first studio who does PSVR. Uh, there's very very little studios in Singapore that do VR, largely because like one we don't have the exposure as much exposure to the technology compared to like the West. I would say. Yeah. And um, a lot of people don't dare to jump in like hit first. It was like, what the, the the mindset is like? Oh, what if we do VR now and then there's not enough headsets and we're not gonna make money blah blah blah. But for us, it's to do like Kata games. It's like this is cool. Um, it's new. Nobody's doing it. Let's just do it and. That's really like I think it's a very different kind of mindset compared to a lot of other studios here. Um, and with the ARVR community, it's growing, but it's slow. I would say because like we only recently started having this conversation with the government, being like, you know, ARVR is something that we think it's here to stay, blah blah blah. And, but it's a, it's a basically a conversation that should have happened like a year ago, a year and a half ago. Right. So it's like we we have this like problem of like looking at things and seeing things like, oh, this thing is working, it's cool. We should now move on to it. And when that happens, a lot of times the trend has already like passed, the Fed has passed, like the gold rush is over. And you know, that that's a problem. Yeah. That's just like a the thing that we need to start learning to like you know, just chase it when it makes sense. Yeah. Don't 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 like just don't, don't just follow and then wait for things to happen. Right, just right. Yeah. yeah, it's like the I mean the Silicon Valley out here and California yeah. and they have that that uh where they what was their I'm trying to think their slogan like work fast and break things or something like that like they're yeah. always like you know working really quick and they're okay yeah. with putting out things that are like half done knowing that they get that instant feedback to keep that loop running faster and innovate as quickly as possible so um yeah it's 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 that's interesting the way they yeah. work sometimes it's not good for the consumer but it does make things move a lot faster so yeah yeah, it's um, true. Yeah. So, uh, what what about virtual reality excites you just in, personally? Like, what 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 do you see happening in the future, and what is it about VR that um, yeah gets you excited? I, I think VR is like the. I would say it's the like the whole idea of like interaction and then like being in a different place. Like, it it's. I'm not sure, like, as long as people try VR, I think once or twice, you can kind of see, you can kind of, like, see the, like, the value or, like, the power of the medium. It's, like, it's really immersive. Yeah, it's, like, once it's done right, you you do lose yourself in the world. Right. And that's something that I find that's really powerful. But as a medium, like, I think it shouldn't just stay within, like, entertainment or, like, games in general. Because, like, the problem with VR right now, I think it's, like, number one, it's expensive. And right. number two, the use cases are very, very limited. So as, as a consumer, like even though I work as a developer, I think VR is super cool. Because I think it's a cool medium. I want to work on it. That's great. But as a consumer, from, from a consumer standpoint, I, I, I really can't justify spending like $1,500 on a rig and another $800, $900 on a headset. Because like it's a glorified gaming machine. And that's something that worries me as a developer because even though I like working on it, I'm not sure if players or like the consumer in the, the general consumer will want to pick it up. And that's scary. So yeah. for what I see for VR, it, it has to evolve to a point where um, it's cheaper. So like maybe the headset costs like $200, $200 a pop or even less. That would be great. Um, and then 
there's more use cases. So I think what, what Facebook is doing with like uh, spaces and like having more enterprises, enterprise using it, it will push the price down and that's really good and that will allow mass market like uh, pick up. Until then, it's to, to me, it's just really cool tech and that will stay, that will definitely stay in enterprise. Like I've seen studios like our companies working on uh, B2B products or like enterprise products that allows them to like for architecture or like for interior design. I think those right. are really good use cases. Um, but yeah, to for it to like jump into the mass market, it needs to have a killer app and we're still waiting on that basically. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, working on, on virtual reality as a studio, has it helped you guys become better just game developers in general? And if so, like how? So like, for example, once you finish this game, say you jump into a regular non-VR game. Do you think the experiences that you've gathered from this will make a regular game? I mean, it should make it you know easier, but what kind of things have you guys learned that you can apply to just general game development? Um, I, I think the, the thing with VR, it's like when you work on VR, definitely what, what you're getting is like you learn how to optimize your game a lot more. Okay. Because to put it simply, VR does require more processing. Like what, what we had, we spent a lot of time uh, working with the guys at uh, Sony, working within the team, and like, a lot, a lot of like discussion to make sure that Stifle is like the most optimized experience it can be on the PSVR because it is not the strongest, uh, like it's not the strongest piece of hardware compared to PCs that run the Oculus or the Vive. Right. So that's a learning experience that you know we us as a studio can just take away because that, that's something that we learn. Um, and I think the other big thing that we learn from doing VR is like there's a lot of uh, how, how the best put it like a lot of tropes or like understandable um, interaction models for regular games so if you do like a first person shooter you use WASD you use the mouse you use your two three six switch controllers um, you do an action game you use the key you, you, your key is mapped a certain way and stuff like that mm-hmm. um so with VR, we kind of had to relearn all these things. And when we relearn all these things, like we did a lot of research on other games to kind of see um, how they did it for either in VR or non-VR. And that's like has been a really good learning experience. And I would say a lot of things boils down to testing. So that's something that we learned very, very big early on. Because like we had these ideas for VR and like we think this is going to be cool. This is going to help with nausea. And then we test it and people think it sucks. And... <laughs> You know, you, you go you go through those like um, processes and you learn those processes and those things you can apply all the time. And I think the most important thing is that we eventually can put this information to good use by teaching other people. Like let's say they have ideas, oh I am not sure how to do this in VR. It's like, oh yeah, you can do this, 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 maybe it'll help, might not, we'll see, kind of thing. Yeah. Good, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's great. Um what are some uh, other games that uh, you've played that inspired your team or have have inspired or really showcased the power of VR aside from your own, of course. For VR games, I'll, I'll, um, if I were to pick a VR game that really like stuck with me, I would say it's uh, London Heist. Like, oh yeah, Sony's yeah, London Heist, the PSVR one. That's like the one VR game that really like uh, made me feel like I was there. Because uh, even though I have a VR headset, I don't actually get a lot of time to play a lot of games. Yeah. The other experience that really uh, got me into VR was also um, Tilt Brush. Like having oh, yeah. the ability, like as an artist, like having the ability to like 
sculpt, like kind of sculpt, and then look your look at your stuff. It's like yeah, look around cool. from all sides and stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it blew my mind. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would say it's a combination of these things. Um, and generally speaking, a lot of your experiences right now they are still very um small and uh and contained, but I, I see see like the um the potential for it to like become a longer experience in general. Like uh, Batman Arkham, the VR, it's like, it's a really good short experience, but that's what it is, it's an experience. It's not a game yet, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping to see more of that. Hopefully Stifle is like, can straddle that line between like, it's a game and it's an experience. It's playable long-term. And yeah, that's what we're hoping. I'm, I'm not sure, we'll see. Yeah, definitely. Um. Cool. Well, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. These are these are questions that we typically ask everybody or we're, we're starting to ask everybody that comes onto the show. So they're just kind of generalized questions um, about game history, things that you're into, things like that. So uh, first question I have is what what game and it doesn't have to be VR, but just any game in general that you've played at any time in your gaming career that you don't think got the recognition it deserves. So something that's kind of a hidden gem in a sense. That doesn't get the recommendation it deserves. Hmm. Wow. I, I, I must say I'm a fairly like mainstream gamer. Okay. So yeah. a lot of times the games I play are either fairly well lauded or um, just very, very mainstream. Yeah. Like I get a lot of shit for it, but I tell my team like one of my favorite games ever is basically Call of Duty. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> As any developer, I get a lot of shit for it. Like, yeah. You're indie. Why do you like Call of Duty? It's like, it's a good game. It's fun, I yeah. games all the time. I just want to go get dumb and shoot things. What's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So, you know, did so you get it? Did, it's did, hard to answer that question. Yeah. Off the bat of my head, I just can't think of something. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. Um, did you get Did you get to play uh, Call of Duty World War Two at uh, E3? Uh, not yet. I didn't have time. Yeah. Like the, the the game that actually got me into game development and to take it seriously was really um the Modern Warfare one. And two, okay. Yeah. I was I was in school then. I played it. And I was like, you know what? I don't I don't really like books that much. I don't really like enjoy studying that much. Maybe making games is kind of like a cool way to make a career or like it's a fun job to do. Yeah. So that that was like the the game that like really started like gave me that popped into my like it gave me that question like can I actually make this a job like is this a real thing? Yeah. And then you know lo and behold I'm making games for a quote-unquote living now i guess yeah i don't know yeah. i mean modern warfare is a great that was a fantastic game it's one of my my yeah. favorites I, I got started uh playing uh call of duty was one of my first games the very first one call of duty one on the yeah. pc and then uh battlefield 1942 were the games that kind of got right. me into um gaming in general um yeah so those those definitely have a special place in my heart um what is something this this is also an interesting question it you you may have an answer for it, you may not, but um, what's something that you're really good at that's not gaming or vi- working on video games that you oh. you know you you aren't known for or people don't really necessarily know you are good at? Uh, I would say cooking. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Yeah, like so, cooking is like another big uh, like passion of mine, like something that I enjoy doing because I feel like it's life skill that you know knowing how to cook means you can feed yourself and. Very important, I would think. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, like I, I actually did thought about it as a career. Like, sure, what do I want to cook? And it's like, I don't even. The, the, the top was just like, 
I don't really want to stand in the kitchen and sweat my ass out for eight hours a day. <laughs> you know what? I, I'll do it as a hobby. That's fine. Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's great for indie because like, if you cook, you save money. And, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, I've been saving money for the last three years. Nice. That's awesome. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I enjoy cooking and I think I'm pretty decent at it. So Yeah. What's I one of your that's, that's one favorite dishes yeah. to cook? Um, I think my signature will be spaghetti because it's easy. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And the other thing right now that I'm really good at, I think it's um salted egg chicken wings. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's like this very Asian thing where people, like we make a sauce out of like salted egg yolks, which is like basically preserved eggs, um, preserved duck eggs. And then you mash up the yolks, you, you steam it, then you make it a sauce and you coat your like fried chicken eggs, uh, fried chicken wings with it. It's pretty good. Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to try that. Yeah. I've never had that before. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Um, so back back to the games. What is the what's the first game you ever played? And like, what? How did you get into just playing video games? Was it the Modern Warfare? Or was it before that? No, nah, it's before that. So yeah, yeah. I started. So I got a hand me down Sega sixteen bit sixteen bit, I believe. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then I I think my first game would either be, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes. Or. Or DuckTales? No, I'm not very sure. Like. I, I would say it's the Teenage Mutant one. So I, I played it at a friend's, like a cousin's uh, friend's place. So I, I visited my cousin when I was younger and then it was it became a fairly regular thing. And then I started playing um, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at his neighbor's place. So that was like my first like touch into gaming, I would say. Like the first like big touch. So I was like, oh wow, this, this thing is cool. And then that kind of like set me down the path of being like a nerdy geeky guy. <laughs> yeah. That's I enjoyed awesome. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are those are those are fun. Yeah. I like I like Teenage Mutant Ninja Tur- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a lot. It's a good game. Yeah, um, it's like yeah, it's like four people. It's like my my brother and I, my my cousin and his friend. It's like it's like a perfect like amount of people. And it's just like I was like seven, eight. It's like a dumbest kid. It's like no idea what I was doing. I was like smashing buttons, but it was <laughs> a pretty. It's, it's still a good memory. Like I can't remember what I did, but it was fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, so if you had one game to play for the rest of your life, what would it be? Um, Dishonored. Dishonored? Yeah. Awesome. Like, yeah. That's... That, that game kind of, the, the, the amount of like thought that's put in the game and the amount of like surprises that it gives you every, so I haven't got time to play Dishonored 2 yet, but yeah. I love the first Dishonored. Like it was so good. Like the levels were like super well designed. They were like contained. Each level was its own puzzle. There are so many ways you can do, you can solve the puzzle. Like you can go in hard, you can go stealth. There's like so many ways. And if like, let's say that was the only game I can play for the rest of my life, I feel like I can spend a lot of time figuring out like really cool ways to like clear a level. And that's, and that's like the one game that I want to be stuck with if I have to yeah. be stuck with. Yeah, I could do the PR thing and say stifle for the rest of my life, but I would be like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Dishonored is a, a really good game. It was. It's. It's a challenging game. It's. It's very. Yeah. A lot more uh, difficult than I thought it would be. But they Arcane does a good job. They're actually. Uh, they're only about three hours away from where we're located at, which is kind of cool. So need yeah. to go down and visit their studio sometime. Nice. But, uh, yeah. Well, technically, uh, it's such a good game. Oh yeah. Um. So, what advice would you give to would-be developers, whether it be VR, non non-VR, trying to find their way into the games industry? Um, I, I'll be okay. So, this is something that I tell most people in general. Basically, 
uh, game games as a business. It's a very global industry. So we really need to look at whether the studio or whether you're good enough to compete at that level. So we spent a lot of time on Stifle because we felt like even though it was a the mechanic was cool, the game just wasn't polished enough. And without polish, without that level of like love that we put into it, um, it would just like fall flat in the international scene. Right. So that 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 the one advice I would say is like um really spend time to get good at what you do and make sure that the game is something that it's like comparable to everyone else in the world. Um and if you're not there yet, don't jump in. Just treat it as a hobby first and then like really spend time getting good at it before you treat it as a business. I got you. I mean I spent seven, eight, ten years of my life making like shitty games before starting a studio. Yeah. I feel like that's something that people need to know. And like it's not like some yeah, basically SF flips are shit, right? So just don't do that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's good advice. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Well, so what is uh, next for the company, for Gatai Games? Like after after you launch Stifled and it's in the... I mean, obviously it's not out yet, but when yeah. it comes out and you guys get out there, do you have plans to just continue in VR? Or are you thinking about, you know, rummaging around with some other uh, games that you have in mind after the fact? Right. Um. So, so with... Stifled, like, we're pretty much done with the game at this point. We're, like, yeah. finishing the bit, like, last bit of, like, bug fixing, like, bit of polish in there, and, like, contracts and all that. Um, the team has already started working on some prototypes. And as a studio, I would say we're not, we're pretty genre, uh, genre agnostic. So we just want to make cool stuff that we want to play and we think should exist. And that might not necessarily be VR. So the next game, we kind of have a few ideas right now. It's like one is like a multiplayer game. Um, yeah, the, it's also a VR title that's just like really funny and hilarious. Like here, like the team-wise, it's like funny, it's hilarious, it's it's dumb. Yeah. So I would say the next game that we come up with would be very different from Stifle. It would it would take a very like lighthearted tone. Yeah. And that's something that we want to be known for. We want to we don't want to be known for that studio that make this really cool horror game. We want to known as a studio that always make cool games yeah not just horror games yeah so, right. so that's like it's gonna be fairly different and I'm, I'm hoping people are will, will, will pick up on it and like be interested in what we do yeah, yeah that's exciting um, yeah. I'm excited to yeah. see see more from that game and obviously excited to to play a stifle when it actually launches and oh, comes thanks. out and everything yeah. Um, yeah. so where can people find Gatai Games and Stifled Online okay so from um, it's pretty simple. Like I would say, like for Stifold, just go to www.stifoldgame.com. So that's S-T-I-F-L-E-D-G-A-M-E.com. Um, that will on on the on the web page there will be links to our um, social and so like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, basically, the handle is the same. The Stifold game. Um, it's the same for Gata Game. So G-A-T-T-A-I-G-A-M-E-S. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Perfect. Well, that's all we got for you. Thank you very much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. And uh, everybody stay tuned. We will be back here shortly for our wrap-up and uh, games we're playing next week. So stick around and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. That concludes our discussion topic this week. Thank you again, Justin, for coming on to the show. If there is something you want to hear us talk about 
please visit theinnergamer.net and click the contact button and let us know. So, guys, what are we going to play next week in oh, video game worlds? Oh, geez. Uh, next week, I think I'm going to get out of my single player uh, habit. I'm going to actually get into some multiplayer, I think. Okay. I think I'll finally get some player unknown battlegrounds. Oh my gosh! I know that's exciting. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm Pokemoning right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just Pokemoning it up. I'm just gonna Pokemon. Gotta forever. catch them all. I have to. <laughs> <laughs> Mother won't let me come home till I catch them all. Oh my god! <laughs> what? Uh, what about you? Uh, Do you play video games? I I try. Whoa. I try on occasion. I'm so, probably gonna play some Life is Strange, some more Battlegrounds. Oh yeah, I gotta finish Life is Strange. For gotta sure. gotta do some Life is Strange, and then I'm probably gonna jump into. Um, I have Infinite Warfare and Prey on the PS4, so one mm-hmm. of those two games. So we'll okay. see. I will try and be real with my life and actually deliver on that promise. So we'll see. Stay tuned. Oh, we may, we may. All right, so be sure and check us out next week, guys, on Tuesday. For more gaming goodness, you can visit TheInnerGamer.net for our latest podcasts, blogs, videos, and social channels. Also, make sure you check out our new little series blog, The Indie Minutes, Yeah, Louise just posted his first article on Polybridge. So go over to TheInnerGamer.net slash read to check that out. He's been playing that nonstop. Yeah. He's, he's, I kind of want to get it. I really almost did. It looks really good. Every time I see it pop up, Blue Dog is playing Polybridge. Yeah. Again? <laughs> it's fine. If you guys like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes or tell a friend. We also have a Patreon set up, which is a way for you, our listeners, to donate to the cause in order to bring you all the great content you want to see and hear. Plus, if you do support us, we have some amazing rewards awaiting for you, such as being a guest on our podcast, getting exclusive content just for you, or even joining us for a D&D session. So please head on over to theinnergamer.net and click donate to contribute. And for that, that's going to wrap us up. My name is Devin Dury. I'm Brett Yanoski. I'm still Meg. <laughs> <laughs> that really, that derailed me. And you've been listening to The Inner Gamer. I'm Austin Morales. I'm Austin Morales. Shut up. You're not on this one. Oh, my God.